you know, as we expanded this out into the, you know, the lifelong, you know, because most of the people we'd studied in the past were kind of had been previous champion athletes. And so they were, you know, sort of genetically endowed from the beginning, whereas this cohort was sort of you and me, just, uh, you know, uh, some good athletes in here, but certainly not good enough to make a living off it. And we also had some very recreational type individuals, uh, but they were consistent in their exercise. That was the key component to this. And to see that, the, you know, these individuals that didn't necessarily have the genetic endowment of a champion athlete in their youth uh, had these cardiovascular system, which now we classify as elite, um, was, was quite striking. Hi, I'm Pete McCall, and welcome to this episode of the All About Fitness podcast. Now, sometimes on the podcast, I have people that are well-known, they're fitness influencers, they're quasi-fitness celebrities. Well, today on the podcast, you're going to hear from probably one of the most important voices in fitness in the United States, yet you may not have ever heard of him. Dr. Scott Trappi is the director of the Human Performance Lab at Ball State University in Indiana. Now, Ball State is one, was one of the first human performance labs, one of the first, actually, I think Ball State was the first exercise science lab in the States. So Ball State and, and the team at, at doing the research at Ball State has been studying exercise and fitness for years. Now, primarily, they looked at exercise in the context of athletic performance because that's what we, you know, we, we looked at exercise as supporting athletes. But in the last number of years, Ball State has switched their studies to look at the longevity of exercise. And just this past fall, Ball State released probably one of the most important uh, pieces of information or studies that I've seen in a long time, which is why I wanted to have Dr. Trappi on the podcast. So this past fall, the Human Performance Lab released an article called Cardiovascular and Skeletal Muscle Health with Lifelong Exercise. And what they did in this study, and this is what Dr. Trappi is going to talk about, what they did in this study was they took a group of people in their 70s who've been exercising for 50 years, and they did the research on them to see how has exercise affected their physiology. Not only that, but they, took, they, they looked at the cohort of the group in their 70s, and they compared their physiology to a different group of people in their 20s. And the results are amazing. So that's what we're going to talk about today. What we're going to talk about is how exercise functions and, and exercise, if it's done right, if you are consistent with exercise, if you exercise regularly, if you do a combination of strength training, cardiorespiratory exercise, mobility training, if you exercise consistently, it can help slow down the aging process. That's what we talk about today. We talk about the benefits of lifelong exercise. And Dr. Trappi has been able to quantify that with his research. After a brief pause for sponsors of All About Fitness, it is an honor to sit down with Dr. Scott Trappi, the director of the Human Performance Laboratory at Ball State University. It's a platform. It's a balance tool. You can do a ton of different exercises on it. Guys, you've been listening to me talk about the TerraCore. You've been hearing TerraCore ads on All About Fitness. Well, I've got great news for you. You. I went to the folks at TerraCore. The code AAF, I changed the code. The code AAF now gets you a 25%. That is 25, 25% savings on a TerraCore. Use code AAF to save 25% on a TerraCore. What is TerraCore? Don't go to TerraCoreFitness.com. That is TerraCoreFitness.com. T-E-R-R-A CoreFitness.com and check out one of the coolest products in fitness. See why Men's Health voted it one of the top fitness at home products that you should have for your workouts. Check out TerraCore Fitness on Instagram to see some amazing tricks. Again, 
Terracord now is 25% off through All About Fitness. Use code AAF to save 25% on the purchase of a Terracor. That perhaps we can control. It could be the environment, could be the diet, could be exercise uh, that intersect with the aging process. So primary aging and secondary aging are typically how these are looked at. And that's and that's what that's an important thing because your lab, even though it's a performance lab, your lab also looks at the, at the effects of exercise on aging. Correct. Yeah, actually, we started back, it's been, you know, in the 90s, it's been 20, 25, 25 years ago, we were bringing people in their 70s in that really weren't regular exercisers at all, and putting them through exercise programs to see how we might be able to enhance their muscle or cardiovascular system. You know, early on, that was really at the the, the era where the, this idea of muscle wasting or sarcopenia was taken off, so we were implementing resistance training in older people, which is relatively novel back at the time in that, that era, to see if we couldn't, you know, uh, reverse some of the loss in muscle by doing strength training and increasing the, you know, the muscle mass, the muscle strength, and then, you know, obviously it's aerobic training, doing those types of studies to see if we can't improve the cardiovascular fitness. So, yeah, we've been doing these things for a long time. Those would, you know, be three-month or six-month programs. And then ultimately that led into our current study. We've always studied athletes as well, but, you know, it seemed like there was this opportunity to study the lifelong exerciser because, you know, most people in the late 60s, early 70s, when this lab got started, kind of, you know, the exercise boom took off. And, you know, really for the first time, you had a large sector of the population coming on board to exercise as a hobby. And so we were curious if you'd been, you know, regularly exercising your entire adult life around 50 years. These people, we were aiming people to be at least 70 uh, to see how uh, those effects might have uh, accumulated over, you know, 50 plus years. And what what have been the findings? Because that's that's the amazing thing. I think a lot of people have this misperception that as we get older, we probably shouldn't exercise as much. Right. I mean, they think that's like, oh, it's not it's not good for us. But what have been your findings about the effects of exercise on the aging process? Well, uh, your premise is right. I think, you know, there for a long time, it was the idea we get older, slow down. I think that's probably now I think everybody recognizes that that's that's not the message that uh, comes about. Likewise, when people had, you know, heart surgery back in the 60s, the prescription was six weeks of bed rest to recover. We now have people walking up down the hall, you know, the next day. So that said, as a premise, you know, the culture has changed. And, you know, uh, really, I would kind of, we, we, we did a lot of things with these individuals that came in. Uh, and I'd say we walked away with a lot of findings, but two key ones I'll share with your audience. We can probe those a little deeper if you like. But one was the when we look at cardiovascular capacity or cardiovascular fitness, this is a gold standard measurement in the field that's referred to as uh, VO2 max. And these 75-year-olds had the cardiovascular fitness of 40-year-olds. So that was one of the, the key findings that, uh, you know, they had a youthfulness, uh, if you will, about their cardiovascular system from all the years of exercising. And how did you measure, you sorry, if I, if I can cut in, if I don't, how do you measure that? Like, how do you measure the youth, youthfulness? Of the uh, of the cardiorespiratory cardiovascular system. Yeah, we have you know we have a lot of expensive toys here in the lab, as you might imagine. Uh, we have what is referred to as a metabolic cart, 
This captures the oxygen and carbon dioxide, and you're hooked up some hoses and a mask. So you, we know the air you're breathing in. We capture all the air you're breathing out during a test, during an exercise test. We have these people on a, a stationary bicycle, which is referred to as a cycle ergometer in the laboratory. These are very calibrated, uh, expensive bike. It's a $25,000 bike, actually. Um, and what we do is we start these people off at very light loads, which everybody can could manage, and then we gradually increase the load to be like you were cycling, slowly starting to cycle up a hill, and eventually it gets to the point where you're going as hard as you can, and you, you know you can't you can't continue on. And in doing that, you maximally stress the cardiovascular system, which would be the heart, the lungs, the muscles working together. And we can uh, the, in that test, then we can determine how much oxygen the working muscles were using. And the higher uh, amount of oxygen that you can consume and use during a maximal uh, exercise test, such as we're describing, is the higher the capacity of your cardiovascular system. Well, that's, that's, and for that, was that surprising that, that you found that people in their 70s had systems 30 years younger than their chronological age? Yeah, I'd say uh, yes would be the answer. I mean, I, I you know, you assume they were going to be better. We've been doing a fair amount of work spot checking and smaller studies here and there, so we we had some inclination. But you know, as we expanded this out into the you know the lifelong you know, because most of the people we'd studied in the past were kind of had been previous champion athletes, and so they were you know sort of genetically endowed from the beginning. Whereas this cohort was sort of you and me, just the you know, uh, some good athletes in here, but certainly not good enough to make a living off it. And we also had some very recreational type individuals, uh, but they were consistent in their exercise. That was the key component to this. And to see that, the you know, these individuals that didn't necessarily have the genetic endowment of a champion athlete in their youth uh, had these cardiovascular system, which now we classify as elite, um, was, was quite striking. So there's hope for hope for us yet. If we didn't make it to the pros, then we still we don't have to worry about that. Yes, we can just still, stay we can just stay with it. Just stay with it. You'll be pro someday. <laughs> well, I joke in, in all seriousness. I joke sometimes. I'm in my mid 40s. I joke that I want to be the fastest white guy in my 70s. I haven't even yeah. started my 30 year periodization cycle yet on that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know that's. I just yeah. want to maintain. If I maintain my speed, I'll be all right in 30 years. Absolutely. And what like was the it. other finding? So one finding was on cardiorespiratory. What was the other finding that you guys? The other was uh, we. Uh, I mentioned earlier at the top, you know, that we specialize in taking muscle biopsies. So we get a sample about the size of a pea, and we can do all sorts of biochemistry and biology and molecular biology and genetics work with this tissue. And when we looked at the aerobic qualities of the muscle, and for your readers, we look at the microvessels or the capillaries, and this is what the blood that flows in through the muscles or is it just sort of this uh, bed which muscle flow or blood flows through the muscle carries the, the blood through it carries oxygen nutrition to and from the muscle so it's a network and that network can be you know these capillary systems can expand as we train and as we're fit uh that you'll have more of them the more aerobically fit you are the more of these capillaries you have we also looked at a handful of the enzymes that process fuels aerobically in the mitochondria of the cell. So these would process carbohydrates and fats during exercise. We found the capillary network and these aerobic uh, enzymes in these 75-year-olds look uh, the same as the 25-year-olds that we tested. We really didn't see any aging effect 
and these aerobic qualities of the muscles, which was probably even more surprising, to be honest, than the cardiovascular finding, because uh, the fact that if I put this data side by side and showed it to you or, you know, uh, another scientific expert, you know, they, they wouldn't be able to say, here's the old person, here's the young person, but the data were that striking when we compared to our young exercisers, so that was quite quite interesting. Well, that kind of matches up because I live in Southern California, and where I live, there are a lot of people in their 60s and 70s who I see in the gym that seem that their physiques really belie their age. They seem to have physiques that are years younger than them. So basically, the evidence that you observe suggests that people who strength train can kind of freeze, can they kind of freeze their muscles in time and maintain that? Because you you had 70-year-olds with biopsies like those of 20-year-olds, that certainly seems to suggest that. Uh, well, I think certain components, I think at the end of the day, the kind of big take home is, you know, exercise will slow the aging process and not all these systems age at the exact same rate. And it looks like exercise, all the stuff we're measuring slows most everything down. And, you know, like the cardiovascular system, you look, you know, it looks 30 years younger, the skeletal muscle, we didn't see much notable difference in some of these aerobic qualities. Uh, so yeah, I think, you know, it, it, it delays the, the aging process. It slows the rate of decay, uh, if you will, um, freezing it maybe in time a little bit, but I think the, the, my sort of read on the whole thing is that we are just, uh, changing the decay slope to be, uh, more forgiving. Well, let me ask you this question and you'll see where I'm going with in a second. Did, did the people... So the people you studied, the group, the cohort you studied, they self-reported. Did they did they report taking any vitamins or any special kind of supplements uh, along the way? No, not really. Uh, there wasn't anything that you know the the era when they got involved to supplements and those things, at least for the aerobic world, were you know it wasn't mainstream like it is now, where you can get people doing all sorts of crazy things. Um, so these people are kind of, you know, pretty normal in their profile, pretty normal in how they ate. Um, you know, so I, I would say there was nothing that really stood out from that standpoint. So I get the, where I'm going with that question. And I want listeners to, to hear this is you mean that, that the cohort that, that exercised for 50 years didn't spend any money on biohacking supplements meant to keep them younger. Because that's the one concern I see, right, is everybody understands that we're getting older, and there's this whole industry now to hack, to do biohacking with all these chemicals and drugs and supplements, yet it seems yours, what I love about your study is it suggests that the ultimate biohacking is just be physically active. Doesn't that seem to be the case? Well, it's certainly a safe route, and these people did not have access to those materials back then. I do think you're right. The culture's changing. You know, uh, along those lines, we were pursuing a lifelong group of resistance exercisers, but they came, that era came a little bit behind the aerobic era. And oftentimes the, we found that the strength train era often was littered with use of anabolics early on by a lot of those people. So we weren't able to really get to those people to have a clean cohort, you know, Mm -hmm. if you will. Um, And now I think there's a lot of the anti-aging clinics and stuff out there that that stuff's starting to come into play, so you're going to have to dissect out extra components. But for the group that we've studied so far, you know, they they're you know relatively weren't on anything exotic or pharmaceuticals that would have enhanced the results that we saw. 
So, so the, the, the message to uh, the listeners then is instead of spending money on biohacking stuff, send money to Ball State University to support the, the Human Performance Laboratory. <laughs> you know, I, I like that. Yeah, I like that idea. Because, <laughs> you know, because I think that's out there. Now, let me ask you this. Looking at your bio, you know, I'm putting you, you graduated college a few years ahead of me. How has your study of fitness influenced your personal approach to exercise? You know, you, you yeah. did the world you live in. As somebody who, who studies and sees the data, how have you implemented this for yourself? Uh, good question. Uh, I'm a lifelong exerciser myself. I swam in college. Uh, I, you know, for me, these data are encouraging. The data itself are encouraging to keep going. Um, the other thing that probably was more inspirational than anything was working with these people and the stories and they're still out there doing it, you know, day to day. And, uh, for me, it was like these people sort of turned into that, you know, group of mentors that I, look to that's how I want to be when I get to be their age. I just got to keep at it. So uh, the data is encouraging to say keep going. And I think also interfacing with these people for me proved to be inspirational. It's funny because I just interviewed somebody the other day, a guy by the name of Chris Duffin, who's a really retired powerlifter, and his workout buddy, he's in his 40s, his workout buddy's in his 70s. And he was talking about how motivational that was. Based on your study, do you have any suggestions for how listeners should maybe organize their workouts through the week, like in terms of how many resistance training or how many cardio training workouts they should try to get in? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think there's a, just a one-stop shopping that covers it all, but a couple things I would say, just generally speaking, number one, I think one of the keys is just being consistent. Um, I think consistency wins across the board with this. Um, if you're going to start breaking it into aerobic and resistance, I think, you know, you need a little bit more aerobic than resistance. I think you can get away with two days a week of resistance, which would be great. And then on a, a three days of aerobic, I'd give you a couple days off. I think as we get older, recovery is super important, probably overlooked. Um, so we want to stay injury-free and able to sort of absorb the workouts. So three, four days of aerobic, you know, a couple days of resistance would be the balance um, with uh, some structured time off. I like that structured time. I think the problem is a lot of people hear structured time off and they forget about the other part of it. Um, and, and that, let me ask you this. So stress, what role does stress play? Because exercise is stress. Why is it important to stress our bodies with exercise? Well, exercise is good stress. I mean, you hear some of these terms of, say, inflammation and these things. These, these are, There's a typical response to exercise that you would see these things peak in this part of the sort of remodeling, rejuvenation process. And then over a period of 24 to 48 hours, the sort of molecular signals in the background, you know, tend to go back down towards baseline. I think one of the things maybe the general public isn't as aware of is that the exercise itself is just the perturbation or the stress. When you track this out in the time course after exercise, a lot of the signals to tell the body to sort of turn over, to grow, to rejuvenate, there's some very early signals, sort of an early window that would be, you know, minutes to hours. And then there's sort of a middle window that would be, you know, hours to a day. And then, you know, a later window that we could have some of these signals even going out as long as 72 hours after an exercise bout. So there's a lot, most of the activity in terms of adaptation to the exercise actually occurs following the exercise bout. No, and that's now the, the final thing, and then I want to let, you know, respect your time here. Fitness trackers. These have been become very popular, and we don't have to talk any specific brand. 
But given your, your area of research and your field of study, do you think that fitness trackers are helpful in terms of helping people engage and, and, and pursue physical activity? I do. Uh, I, I, I use them myself. I tend to use Garmin when I'm out. Just to, I'm not plugging any particular product. I just use Garmin when I'm exercising. I have an Apple Watch for my day-to-day kicker. Uh, and I think you learn a lot about your habits, your exercise habits, your walking habits, your heart rate, heart rate variability. I think these tools are going to continue to improve. There's a lot of investment going on in the tech culture right now with these things. Uh, and over time, I think you, you, you gain a data, a rich data source on yourself that any one workout doesn't give you, but as you wear these things, you start to have data what your week look like, what your month look like, what your year look like, and you get trends about yourself and data on yourself to, to inform your, and guide your own sort of exercise. These are health targets as well. So I, I think these tools are very informative. I'm a big fan of them, and I think they're going to continue to uh, improve and get even more informative for the consumer. Well, and I well, that's a, that's good to know. It's good to, to hear that insight because I do think it helps people just become more mindful of their activity throughout the day. Now, you guys, this, this, the studies you publish are very, uh, for lack of a better word, geeky. I'm going to have a link below to your to your study on the lifelong exercisers. Does your lab, does Ball State put out any, any information for consumers, Dr. Traffy, that that they could reach out to and, and learn more about what you're doing there? Uh, well, you know, we're right now we're remodeling our website to hopefully have some information that start to do this as a portal. And then I try to do as many things like this to get the message out. You know, science is one of those things where, you know, the science process itself is very arduous, as you know, and you go through the whole process and, you know, you have the end result of the publication. As an example, this publication was probably about seven years in the making from the time we, you know, pursued the funding, which was by the National Institutes of Health. You got to recruit, you got to get all the data together, publish. Uh, that all just takes time. And then uh, I think it's, I try to do my best as a scientist to promote these findings that we have because I think it's a good use for, uh, you know, the general public. And I think folks like yourself that help promote the message is great. So there, but there isn't, you know, I guess one of the, the faults of this whole process, there isn't just a default mechanism. This is where it all goes. But, you know, contacting us, and I try to do my best to get involved and help uh, uh, interface with people uh, as much as possible. Well, I appreciate that because you're in a complete it, – it, what's interesting to me, it, and I use this analogy quite a bit, is if you look at fitness as a solar system, we're on completely different planets. Like you're in a research planet. So you're just bogged down in your lab looking and understanding everything. I work on the consumer side in health clubs, so similar stuff, but I'm on a completely different planet. And I have to say, your your world is extremely important, but do you find it interesting that sometimes the research follows the trend as opposed to the research driving the trend? Uh, it's a yin-yang thing, I think, with that. I think one of the things that's lowering this overall is the technology platforms, I think, it's so easy for people like us to connect now and communicate these messages or connect these different cultures uh, that we are leveling the playing field and the information is getting out more and more readily than it, than it could have, you know, you know, 10, 20, 50 years ago. So I, I think the direction all this is headed is good. And so based on this research, do you have any final advice before we wrap up on what, what listeners should do? If that listeners want to have that goal of being super fit when they're in their 70s and 80s, You've already mentioned being consistent every day, but is there anything else they should be looking at in terms of their overall approach to health and wellness? 
Well, some of it's kind of simple. I would say, you know, the take-home messages here, you know, just be active. It could be walking all the way to, you know, if you want to be more competitive. I think the competitive people, they're not very hard to motivate, and they, they already know. <laughs> so this a lot of this information we're talking about is kind of confirmatory for them. But, you know, for the people that are a little bit more on the sidelines, it's the question is, is it too late to start? And the answer is no. We've shown that people into their 80s can adapt nicely to an exercise program if they haven't been previously active. Um, you know, getting off the sidelines and into the game, and they, if it's just walking, I think I think those are the keys, and then that scales up from there. Um, and, you know, and then there's other simple tools. Sometimes people don't want to realize it's as simple as it looks, but you know, standing on a scale, how your clothes fit, and watching what you eat. It's sort of the equation can be fairly simple, but uh, the discipline to you know, uh, follow through with all this sometimes uh, is lacking. So I, I just encourage people to. You know, the more data that's coming out, Pete, it just it just keeps gaining momentum. How uh, you know they they kind of how important exercise is. This idea of exercise and a pill is falling flat. Um, our pharmaceutical company can do a lot of things, but exercise is so I use the term pluripotent, meaning that it, it it's systemic and it hits multiple systems: cardiovascular, muscle, bone, brain health, cognition. All these things are tied together. And we're learning now that things that happen during exercise, your muscle now communicates with your liver and your brain and all these things. It's a big network, and exercise is one of the key components that strings that together for organ health. So uh, exercise wins. Well, you're the one who should know that because the Ball State Human Performance Lab is one of the top in the country. So for listeners, you're, you're hearing from one of the best. He may not have an Instagram account. You may not see him flashing around uh, half-naked pictures all over social media, but this is the one guy who probably knows more than almost anybody else in the country. So, Dr. Trappi, I really appreciate your time this morning. I apologize about the technical thing getting started, but, man, this is great information, and I certainly appreciate the work that you're doing. Well, thank you very much, Pete. I appreciate the time as well, the chance to talk about what we're doing in the lab, and you promote this out uh, to a message to the community of people so we can uh, – uh, make sure people understand the importance of exercise. Thank you. And, and here's the sad thing. If we really want to have an impact, you and I both need to figure out how we get a couple hundred thousand followers on Instagram. Yeah, you know? Isn't that yeah exactly. Yeah, we need to be exercise influencers. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of researchers. Well, doctor, thank yeah. you for your time this morning. Have a wonderful day and, and best of luck in the coming year. Okay, you too. Thanks, Pete. Bye-bye. Well, if you're fascinated about that discussion and you want to know the different types of exercise that you can do to help preserve and to help maintain your quality of life or maintain your health in the long term, then pick up a copy of my book, Smarter Workouts, The Science of Exercise Made Simple. In that book, I go through the components of mobility training, core strength training, and metabolic conditioning to teach you everything you need to know to design the workouts that can help have an immediate impact on your life. So if you want to learn how to use exercise to enhance your life and to promote the longevity of your life, Pick up a copy of Smarter Workouts. The link is below in the show notes. So now let's get to let's get to talking about the the podcast. Real quick, I have to I have to admit, you know, most of the people I have on the podcast, they're fitness influencers. There are people out speaking. They're re, you know, they're the people leading the way. So when I mentioned that, you know, well, unlike a lot of my guests, he doesn't have a an Instagram or Facebook account. Doctor Trappy sent me a little note afterwards saying, you know, by the way, we do. So we do have uh, the Ball State, the Human Performance Lab of Ball State. On Instagram is HPL Ball State. That's HPL Ball State for Human Performance Lab Ball State on Instagram. 
HPL Ball State on Twitter, and the Human Performance Laboratory on Facebook. So to be fair, so you can find out what the lab is doing, I'm going to have links to those below in the show notes. But hopefully you got the gist of that today. I mean, that was a fascinating discussion. You have to understand, the fitness geek in me loves that stuff, right? Because why do we do the research? Why do we fund research? Well, we fund research to find out how do we use this stuff to change our lives, to influence our lives. So what this study found, what the, the review and the study of lifelong exercisers found were that people who exercise consistently have an impact on the quality of their tissues. And that's what I hope you realize. When they do muscle biopsies, they are looking at the specific quality of fibers. And their findings, their findings were that people have been exercising for 50 years, their muscle fibers, their physiology, that the structure of the fibers were very similar to people 50 years younger. And now the most important thing that might have gotten overlooked there, even more important thing, is that Dr. Trappi said you can start at any age. So if you've been one of these people who, yes, you understand, okay, I know exercise is important. I know I should be doing it. And, and you know you're one of these people that you try your best effort, but life gets in the way. And I get that. Folks, I get that. But I want you to know why this is important. This is important not because you got to fit into a certain size of pants. That's not important. Exercise is important so you can have some silly kind of definition and some silly muscle. You know, you want six-pack abs and well-rounded glutes, good for you. You know, but exercise is not about that. Exercise done right enhances your quality of life. Exercise done right, exercise done consistently allows you to live for much, much longer. You know, you heard me on the recent, on the recent quick fit tip. You know, if we don't exercise, we're taking years off our life. And this research, you know, this, this review of looking at lifelong exercisers and seeing how regular exercise affected their physiology over 50 years is fascinating. You know, it flies in the face. You know, I, I've mentioned before that once upon a time and the current occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue thinks this, that's how, <laughs> hey, hey, you want to know this, if the current president of the United States thinks this, then, then we know the opposite must be true, right? So the current president and, and the former a former line of thought was that exercise took years off your life. It used to be, and I'm talking hundreds of you know, years and years ago, it used to be we thought that exercise would take energy away from you, it would take your longevity away. But what we're finding is, is completely contrary. The people who, live, who have highest longevity, people who have a high quality of life, stay physically active. Now, that doesn't mean just going to the gym. That means you can be physically active and you don't need to spend money on a gym membership. You walk, you play, you can play sports, even in your 70s, 80s. You can dance, you can do martial arts. You don't need to be limited to a gym. So when I say exercise, understand I mean any physical activity. But no matter how old you are now, you can have an immediate impact on your life by starting to do something active today, if only for one or two minutes. And if you need some help, that's why I wrote my book. That's why this podcast is here. We want, you know, there are community out there, fitness professionals, you know, if you need help, I'll have a link below to, uh, to a personal trainer locator. You can find a personal trainer in your area. Fitness professionals are here to help. We want to help you improve your quality of life through exercise. And as we see in this research you know, from Ball State, that is critically important for the long time. Hopefully you enjoyed this conversation today. Yeah, it was a little bit shorter than normal. Yeah, we kind of geeked out a little bit. But this, this is what's important. This is why, I don't know about you, but this is why I exercise. I exercise to manage the aging process. I'm 47 years old. 
I'm feeling great. Yeah, I've got a couple injuries, but that's that's from falling off my BMX bike. <laughs> and you heard that right. I've been riding skate parks in, in my late 40s. So I am fine with being injured from having fun. What I'm not fine with is waking up in the morning and feeling sore, tired, or run down. Here's the thing. You don't have to. Exercise. Be active. Make smart choices. Get good sleep. Eat the right things. Don't eat the things you know you're not supposed to eat. That's about half of it, right? We eat the stuff we know we're supposed to. We avoid the stuff we know we're not supposed to eat. And it's all going to work out in the end. Thanks for stopping by. I look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.